0: a series over this summer called Miracles, and I can't believe it's taken me this many weeks to even divulge this information to you, but the reality, when it comes to the miracles of Jesus, is this, every one of his miracles were performed or done for the same reason. Every one, whether it was a healing, a raising somebody up, taking away a sickness, casting out a deep, it doesn't matter what it was. It was done for the same reason. Do you want to know what the reason is? Okay, you don't want to know. Do you want to know what the reason is? Okay, you keep that enthusiasm, and I just might tell you later on. So just hang in there. But, uh, but before I get to the reason, i got to start with a miracle of my own. It happened, uh, I was probably 11 years old. It was youth camp. By the way, our kids go to youth camp in about a week. So we're excited about that. 6th uh, through 12th graders. Um, it's so exciting. They meet on Wednesday. So if that's you or that's a, a kid of yours, we'd love to have them here. Um, but, now this youth camp story is not like they're going to experience. This one is, mine wasn't good, but theirs is going to be awesome. Just, just know that. When I went to youth camp at 11 years old, uh, the camp was called the James River Ranch Youth Camp. Now the word river in there was, was not a good word for me because that insinuates water. And this is going to be embarrassing to tell you, but this is a safe place. You're a non-judgmental crowd, I'm sure of it. So, but at 11 years old, I couldn't swim. Uh, I could sink with the best of them could not swim. So my mom, I don't know why, but sends me to this uh, James River Ranch Youth Camp, and one of the very first days, we're going to go canoeing. Now, this is, we were old school, and if you're under 30, you won't even know what this life jacket looks like, but the life jackets weren't like they were today. They weren't the kind you put on like a vest and zip up. They were the old, remember the orange ones? They go around the neck, and they, they latch here, and then they tie right here. That's what they were, and... For me, it was, I mean, obviously not being able to swim. I was grateful for the life jackets. I remember we're all putting them on, all those guys. And all the cool kids, they'd snap it down here, but then they, they just left this untied right here. Well, I didn't, I didn't care to be cool. I wanted to just live. So I, I tied it up here, double knot, I didn't care. And uh, I had it securely on. So we get into the canoes, and we start canoeing, and this is when Satan takes over. So the guys in my canoe thought it would be funny to start literally rocking the boat. Not only that, but the canoe next to us thought it would be funny to start having these, these little wars with the oars, huh? And so we got this going on with the canoe next to us. We got this going on in the canoe. I'm thinking, these kids, this is a Christian camp. They're like agents of Satan. I mean, I didn't get it. So, but long story short, our canoe tips over. I'm under the canoe, and, and this, is, this is a true story. My life jacket, I'm under the canoe, you know, just just praying like I've never prayed before. My life jacket comes undone at the bottom. It unsnaps. And the only thing keeping your pastor alive at this time is the little thing I tied right here. It was catching my chin and keeping the life jacket on. I mean, this is a miracle from God. Eventually, they get the canoe out from, from me, out from underneath it. And uh, I live to see another day. But, but it was, the miracle was short-lived because the next day at camp, I was bawling uncontrollably because I missed my mommy, and she had to drive two and a half hours to come get me. So uh, that's again not not judgmental, but nonetheless, it was a miracle, and uh, God is so good. But so the reason I tell you that story is because a canoe was involved, a boat was involved. The miracle that God has for us today to divulge is well, really two miracles, and it's both involve a boat, and both involve Jesus. And the crazy thing about these miracles are they're like identical. One happened when Jesus first started his public ministry, and he did the same miracle at the end of his public ministry. And I'm like, I don't know of any other miracle that Jesus did like this and duplicated it like bookends. So the miracle's the same, but here's what's crazy. The response from the people or from a person is way different. I'm preaching preaching to you today out of the the gospel of Luke. And I'm going to set it up. It's Luke 5, and I'll be there in a second, but let me set it up. Jesus is at the beginning of his ministry. He's called a few of his disciples, new disciples. He's preaching. Crowds are liking what he's saying. They're gathering. So much so that this day he has to get in a boat just to distance himself so he can preach. So he jumps into a boat. Uh, Simon Peter is the owner of the boat. And he goes out in the water and he preaches, from the, preaches the word of God. He is the word of God. After he's done preaching, he says to Simon Peter, this new disciple, he says, hey, while we're out here, let's, let's go fishing. And Peter's the fisherman. Peter's like, he wanted to be respectful to Jesus, but Peter's like, this <laughs> Jesus, I know you're you know you're a carpenter and you know how to do woodworking, but no, we don't, you don't fish during the day. Plus, plus he says to Jesus, we fished all night and we didn't catch anything. And actually, Peter wasn't even being honest with Jesus. To say you fished all night would insinuate fish were involved. Really, they sat all night, call it what it is, but they were sitting all night and nothing happened. But nonetheless, Peter listens to Jesus, he drops the net by the boat. And fish just jump in it like crazy. So much so that the net begins to tear. It's the first miraculous catch, they call it, that Jesus did. I'll pick it up in Luke 5, verse 6. If you got your Bibles, jump in there or just follow along on the screen. But I love when you get in the Word of God and I love when it gets into you. And this time, the nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners In the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. I can relate to that. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, listen to this. He falls to his knees before Jesus and says, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For Simon Peter was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. As were the others that were there as partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were amazed as well. And Peter saw that they were freaking out, or Jesus saw they were freaking out, and he says, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. This is where, where we have to really, I don't know if it hit you like it hit me, but what really caught my attention in this miracle was what Peter said to Jesus. Do you remember what it was after the miracle happened? It was in verse 8. He says, when he realized what happened, he falls to his, first of all, he falls to his knees before Jesus. And it just hits him. Who Jesus is and who he is. And all of a sudden, the business doesn't matter to Peter. The fish don't matter. The boat doesn't matter. The net doesn't matter. All that matters is who Jesus is and who Peter is. And listen to what he says. Do you remember? Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. It almost sounds like it's countercultural. Why would you want that? Don't you want to be close to those miracles? But this is a common response. And many of us, we make this response when we don't even know it. Here's what I know about when we get close to Jesus, like Peter was close to Jesus, and we see things like, like, like Peter saw. See, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you realize what's wrong with you. That's where Peter was. He's realizing how good this man is and how bad I am. This is why, as a pastor, I'll see people, we get new people coming to church every week. God blesses us with new people, and some come back, some don't. Those that come back, some keep coming, come for years. Others might come for a week or two or three and then fall away. People get into the word of God. They'll get into the word of God for a week or two and all of a sudden fall away. Start serving or whatever the case is, start giving. Whatever the the discipline is, it, many times it's short lived and here's why it, it we we realize who we are who we're becoming and and we we press away from Jesus I hope you're catching this there's a level of guilt that's involved like like when I read the Word of God and I'm doing some things I know I shouldn't do, I feel kind of guilty or or I maybe I did some things that I knew I shouldn't have been doing and I feel guilty you know what i'm saying that's that's where peter's at it's like like, Peter is living out of guilt. And guilt says, look what I've done. Look what I've done. Look, look how messed up I am. I need, I can't be near you. You're, you're too good. You're too, you're too God and I'm too bad. Guilt says, look what I've done. And Peter's response is normal. It was the response from the beginning. Adam and Eve. If you don't know the story, they eat the fruit. Their eyes are open to sin and a fallen world that is now, that they're now in. And what, what do they do? The Bible says they hid from God, which is comical, if you think about it. You don't, I mean, that's like me hiding from you behind this. I mean, you don't do it. You don't hide from God. But why did they hide? Why did they try to separate? Because they were vulnerable. They knew their guilt. They felt their guilt and shame. Parents, you know this. Like, if you have a kid that maybe is always loud and maybe bouncing off the walls, and there comes a day when you you don't hear anything, like it's eerily quiet, I mean, they're in the house, but you can't hear them, and you can't see them. I mean, what's your first thought? What are they doing? Or, or what do they do? Or, or do I smell smoke? I mean, honey, call 911. I don't know what's going on. We, we get worried because we don't, you know, and they distance themselves because they know they did something wrong or they're doing something wrong. The, when we continually live under guilt, shame, and condemnation, we separate ourselves from the one who loves us more than anyone else ever could. Doesn't that seem crazy? But that's what guilt does. And so many people, many of you, and many of you watching online or listening to this even maybe months, years from now. You have a guilt in you and you may not even recognize it. But but, but that's why you, you get into the word and then you stop. Or you come to church for a while, but oh, I don't know, and then you separate yourself and you think it's other things, but the reality is there's a level of this guilt and shame that is in you that is prompting you to separate yourself from the word, from Christ, from his church, whatever it is. This is how Peter responds. So now let's fast forward three plus years. We're at the end of Jesus' ministry, and we're going to witness the same miracle. You need to understand something that's happened, though. The greatest miracle in history has happened in between that first miracle and the second, and that is the fact that Jesus was dead, and three days later, he brought himself back to life. So this has happened. Yeah, you can clap. Jesus was dead. And then he was alive. That is the greatest miracle. When you embrace that miracle, it will radically change your life. So that has happened. In fact, Jesus at this point, he's already appeared to the disciples like a couple times. So they've seen him. They've talked to him. And then this happens. This is, now I'm preaching out of the gospel of John chapter 21, starting in the first verse. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. This would be like the third time now he's appeared to some of them. This is how it happened, John wrote. Several of the disciples were there. Simon, Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two others. Simon, Peter says to the the other disciples, I'm going fishing. And they said, oh, we'll come. So they all go out together, and lo and behold, the professional fishermen caught nothing. Sound familiar? At dawn... Jesus is standing on the beach. Don't you love it? They don't know that's Jesus, but it is. The disciples couldn't see who it was, the word of God says. Jesus calls out to them, fellows, have you caught any fish? And they said, no, we have not. Then Jesus said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did what Jesus said. They caught so many fish, they couldn't haul them in. There there were that many in it. The word of God says 153 large fish were in the net. Then Jesus, oh, then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Like he recognizes the miracle. He recognizes who it is on the beach. And John says to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he puts on his tunic, he jumps in the water, and he heads to shore. This is weird. Because if guilt made Peter separate himself from Jesus, well, there's no one at this point more guilty than Peter. It was like a few weeks ago he denied he even knew Jesus like three times. Think of the level of guilt in that. If anything, I would expect Peter to like jump out of the boat and swim the opposite direction. But he doesn't. He jumps out of the boat and runs towards Jesus. Why? I'll tell you why. Because Peter's focus had shifted. See, the the first time, Peter responds based on the the reality and the fact of how bad he is. But this time, Peter finally realizes how incredibly good God is. See, if guilt says, look what I've done, grace says, look what God's done. That's what grace says. So So he's acting out of the level of grace, not guilt. Oh, Peter's still guilty. He knows it. But he recognizes Jesus' grace and love. This is the difference. Look up here. Same miracle. Basically the same thing. But, but But the power of the miracle or the reality of how it impacts lives, completely different. So when miracles happen in our lives, not everybody's going to experience the miracle in a godly way. Peter didn't the first time. The second time, he does guilt says look what you've done grace says look what he's done this is the difference and don't miss the fact i love how john points out the second miracle they hold in 153 why would he even note that apparently numbers do matter to god that's why we celebrate people fishing for people right that's what jesus said By the way, in five plus years at Meadows Church, 642 people have made decisions to give their lives to, oh, you can get louder than that, 642 people. Oh my God. Yeah, we count people. You know why? Because people count. People matter. So, 153 large fish. John notes that, but here's the reality, and this is where we lean in today. The miracle wasn't about the catch. See, the miracle wasn't even about the fish. None of them were. I told you earlier, every one of Jesus' miracles was done for the exact same reason. It was never about the illness, it was never about the diseases, it was never about the demons, it was never about dead fig trees. You know what it's about? The people. For God so loved the people that he gave his one and only son, that whoever calls on his name, believes in him, will not perish, but will have life. See, it's the same thing that makes meadows so valuable. It makes meadows so unique. You, it's about you. You're that person. Peter's that person. People are every miracle Jesus ever did. It was always about the person. It was always about the people. That's why he came. But yet, here's what I know about people, and maybe you can relate to this. There are so many of those people that Jesus came for and does miracles for and wants to impact, and they never experience them. They're like the first Peter in the first response. They'll never experience it because they're living under condemnation and guilt. They're they're not running to Jesus and saying, you're so good. They're running from Jesus and saying, I'm so bad. Can you relate? I can relate because I've done things that, I mean, if you knew them all, you'd, you'd probably run from meadows, so that's why I can't tell you all of them. But it's, it's so, the response is what matters. The miracle was the same. It, it's so crazy. By the way, how do I know this? And you've probably heard people say this. Maybe you've even said it. When someone ta- tells you about their church or tells you about their faith or even invites you or you've invited others, and maybe you've said or they've said to you, oh, I could Never. I could never step foot in the church. Like, if I step foot in the church, I'd just burst into flames. And I also tell people listen, if I can get in the church every week and I haven't internally combusted, you're probably safe. I'm just saying, you're probably safe, and your friends too. The, the guilt that we, and many times we don't even know we carry it. I had no idea. I remember talking to a counselor, and uh, this story is fresh in my mind this week because someone just asked me this last week uh, about my father. And my dad died when I was 10, and uh, they, they asked about uh, uh, addiction in my family, because I, you know, I, I was a drug addict, and they said, well, did, you know, did your dad struggle, did your grandpa, and it made me think of my father, because my father struggled uh, with alcohol, and, but, but here's the thing, I don't remember, like, in the 10 years that I lived with, that I had a dad on earth, I have, like, no bad memories, like, even in his alcoholism, I don't remember Maybe God just protected me. I just remember the good things, uh, his gentleness, his face, his whiskers brushing against uh, my cheek at night when he would, like, read me a story or just be with me. Those are the things I remember. There, there's one, actually, there's, that's not true. There's one story that, 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 that wasn't good, but it wasn't on him. It was on me, and this is what the counselor brought out of me this day. It's, it's uh, so crazy. crazy. Because it's like fresh in my mind. I was probably nine. I, I don't know. Maybe I was ten. Right around there. And uh, we lived on a farm, uh, a small town, South Dakota. And uh, old house. And you go downstairs in an old house. It's not a basement. It's a cellar. You know what I'm saying? It's a dirt floor. Salamanders. On, I just remember all this stuff. And I remember being, I don't know why I was down there. But I remember being down in the cellar. And uh, I see these uh, two beers. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the six-pack rings. And there was two beers in it. Schlitz. Okay, if, you're, if you're under 30, Google it. Okay? Um, and, and it had the pull tabs. Again, if you're under 30, Google it. So, uh, but I remember these two Schlitz uh, beers uh, with the pull tabs. And I, and I grabbed them and looked at them. And I brought them up the stairs. And I remember showing them to my dad. Now, my dad had been sober. I don't know for how long, but he had, been, he, he had not drank in a long time. And I remember my dad taking the, the beer and opening it and drinking it. I don't remember much beyond that, really. I didn't really understand the gravity at the time. But I remember years later reflecting on that and realizing that I'm the, uh, that I, you know, in my head, I was the problem. Like, I, I'm the reason that my dad started drinking again. I'm the reason that, why would I be so stupid? Why would I do such a stupid, why wouldn't I just leave it there? Why would I do that? And I remember, I never thought about it much, but the counselor's talking to me about it and, and, and bringing up all these, you know, I guess, emotions and stuff, and, uh, you know, and then eventually, not that long after that, my father would pass away, and I would never say it out loud, but I, I mean, inside, like, in me, I was like, I was blaming myself for all of, like, these chain of events. And I know what you say, oh, gosh, you're nine, ten years old, you can't, I'm telling you, if you're in it, though, it doesn't matter what you say, you're, you're like, my counselor said, you're, you, you're damaged to the core, and the reality is we all are, not just me. I mean, we're all damaged. We've all done things that we shouldn't do, whether we... Really, are responsible or not? That's not even the the thing. Here's what I wrote down as I thought about my dad's story. I wrote this down. I said, "My core, my core was damaged, and I need to heal." And here's what I learned the hard way. God learned it the easy way. Listen to what this is not me. This is the Word of God backs all this up. The way that you're going to heal from the things that you carry that you don't even know you carry, it won't be from the outside. There's, it, it, not, it will be from the inside out. Here's what I know, and don't. if you hear nothing else, hear this. The only way to heal from guilt and shame is to shift the focus like Peter did. The only way to heal from guilt and shame, whether you're responsible or not, is to move the focus from what you've done to what Christ has done for you. I'll say it again. The only way to heal from guilt and shame is to move the focus. I'm not saying you shouldn't know your sin is a big deal because it is. But I'm telling you, when you sit in that and you you were oh I can't believe I did that I'm so stupid Why would I grab the beer Why would I bring it I could talk about it all day how dumb it was. And my counselor's like Why don't you You heard of Jesus having I'm like Yeah, let's look what he says. This is what this is this is Peter's response. Both times. Don't miss this. Both times they fished all night and caught nothing. Both times Jesus gives instruction and they listen to it and they do it. And both times there's a miraculous catch. When you listen to Jesus and you do what he says, your life will change if you respond in a godly way, the way that God wants you to do. Not out of guilt, not out of condemnation, not out of, of shame, but out of grace. Out of the love of the Father for you despite where you've been, despite what you've done. God, I hope you don't live in bondage, bondage as long as I did. It's so, it, this reminds me that apart from Jesus, like, all of our efforts are useless. Without his direction, without his guidance, without him saying, drop the nets on the right side of the boat. And us doing it, we're dead in the water. I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and you will bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do See, you know it, but do you know it? Do you live it? We we live so much of our life on our own terms, on our own thoughts, on our own instincts, and we wonder why we keep getting this and we keep having that and we keep struggling here in a marriage, in a family, with kids, whatever it is. When we do what Jesus says, our life will change. I've been telling you in this series, Miracles, God keeps revealing Things to me, because, I mean, you can read the Bible 10,000 times, and it will be different every time. It's not a book. It's a lot. It's the word of God, alive and active. It is, oh, it's amazing. So I'm reading it this time, and it hits me about Peter. And I thought to myself, you know, the first time Peter responds, that first miracle, you know, that he responds out of guilt, Peter realizes, how did I write it? I said, Peter... Let me, let me, I wrote it, so let me see how I wrote it, just so I don't mess it up. Peter, yeah, Peter thought Jesus was the Messiah. When that first miraculous catch happened, the nets are tearing, and Peter's like freaking out. He's like, I'm thinking, you're, you're the son of God. Like, you're, you're the one we've been talking about and waiting for. All this, you're him. Oh, my gosh, separate yourself. I need, to, I need to go from you. So, so he, he thought Jesus was the Messiah, the second miraculous catch, Peter knew Jesus was the Messiah. Do you get it? There's so many people that, oh, I, I, I believe in Jesus, and I, I think he is the son of God, and I think he's the savior of the world, but he just hasn't saved your world. You haven't allowed him to. You're, you're not responding in a way. You, 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 you keep living under guilt or condemnation or going back to the same well that, that is always dry and always leads to death. But but we don't respond, we, we're, we're looking at how bad we are and then we beat ourselves up. I can't believe I brought it up, I can't believe. Grace, say grace. Grace is, I think we miss the beauty in it sometimes. There are people here, you have the head knowledge like I had most of my life and you think, Jesus, you're the Messiah. But then there are those of you watching online, listening to this message on Spotify or in the room and you know, You know that you know that you know, and no one will ever talk you out of it, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. You know it, but you're well aware that you're a sinner. You're well aware that you mess up. You're well aware of your guilt, but you're also well aware that Jesus paid the price that you cannot pay. You're well aware that his grace is enough to save you. I know I'm guilty. I know I'm a messed up pastor. I know it. But I want to be covered by his grace. I don't want to keep sinning. I don't want to keep messing up. I want to live under his umbrella of love. I think sometimes, see, most people get it. Most people know they're messed up. Like we live in a culture, it seems like today, where we're quick to tell people how messed up they are and how much you're a sinner and, oh, I can't believe and, you know, especially the younger generation and, the, oh my gosh, don't you remember when you were a teenager? My gosh, I was, we're all trying to figure, I'm, I'm far from a teenager and I'm still trying to figure things out. But, but we're quick to point out, oh, this, I can't believe this, and you're doing this, and you're living this way or whatever it is. And, and it's okay to lovingly rebuke, but lovingly is the, is the, is the key word. Relationship is the key word. Doing it in grace. But, but here's what I know about people. Most people, they beat themselves up enough probably. They already know. Even if they're not tw- tweeting it or posting it, they know. They know that I did things that I should have done that, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't be doing this. Right? The Ten Commandments, that's what they're about. So you know. Should you keep them? Yes. you should. I mean, it, it's 2,000 years ago, it was bad to kill people, it's still bad today. So yeah, it's a good idea. But the goal of the Ten Commandments isn't just to keep them. The goal was to show you that you need somebody bigger. That, 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 That eventually you will always fall short. Always. That eventually you're always guilty. The Ten Commandments will show you that. You already know that. Most people already know it. The story I love in John, since we parked there for that second miracle, that I can't get it. When you talk about guilt and grace, Look what I've done versus look what God has done for me. Look what Christ has done for me. You ever hear of the story of that woman caught in adultery? It's in John 8. I, I'm not going to read it to you. I'd love you, you for, to read it to yourself or read it for yourself this week. But, but the premise is crazy. The woman who's, who's committing adultery with this man who's also, by the way, committing adultery, she knows she's guilty. Like when she gets pulled out by the religious people and thrown in front of everybody, can you imagine that? naked i just you want to talk about a level of shame and guilt she's naked in front of everybody and you know what they're doing telling her this is what you did you worthless pizza i can't be jesus you're a smart guy the law says to kill her right we should kill her look at her worthless she's she was doing this last week she's been doing this last year was she guilty yes did she deserve death by the law yeah she did did she know it? I'll guarantee you she knew it. Not one time does she say, "Oh, I, it wasn't me," or not one time does she say, "I, I don't, I deserve to live," like, like I deserve a second chance. She said nothing. She just took the punishment that everybody had for her, pointing about how bad you are, knowing that. And Jesus loves it. Jesus doesn't love it, but he says, "I mean, he knows they're sinners too." So Jesus is like, "All right, kill her," but before you, before you throw a rock at her, you know. Let, let those who haven't messed up throw the first rock. <laughs> Jesus. I can't believe the trans community. I can't believe the young community and the, 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 the gay people and the, the uh, people that are political and that are liberal and we point fingers at all the things that people do wrong. And then we go home and verbally abuse our spouse or our kids. Jesus is just saying, and Jesus doesn't want you to beat yourself up. He just wants you to recognize that we're all fallen, and he doesn't condone it. What's crazy about that story with the woman who's naked in front of everybody, begging she was anywhere else but there, you know Jesus writes in the sand, and I've said this before. And I just, I don't. No one knows what he writes. People guess, but you know, no one knows. And and you know what she thinks about herself? I I am a piece. I am worthless. I am trash. That's why I do this. At least I can feel good for a minute. Jesus writes in the sand. Who knows what he writes? I just like to make up my own story sometimes so beautiful. I love you so much. My grace is enough. It's a new day. And he says, where are your accusers? (laughs) They're gone, by the way. Because, remember, let him who is without sin cast the first stone, and they drop their rocks and they walk away because they're sinners just like you, just like me. And Jesus covers this woman with love. And he doesn't point to her guilt. She's doing that. He points to his grace. And I I just a picture looking looking at her in the eyes. Jesus' beautiful eyes, looking at her beautiful eyes. And the love. I bet she just never experienced that in her life. She's used to the condemnation the guilt, the shame. And Jesus shows her something that she doesn't deserve. But he says she does. And that's why he came. And then he says, go and sin no more. See, Jesus doesn't condone the sin. Sin's a big deal. It will kill you. But we know that. Most people know that. He showers her with grace and love and says there's a new way my way, Jesus' way. I don't, I see, I I will never understand the grace of God. I will never understand it. I've said that before. And I I can't hardly articulate it to you. I hope that story does a little bit. I'll never, I wrote it down. I said, I'll never understand it. The only way to heal from guilt and shame is to move the focus from what you've done to what Christ has done for you. God's grace I don't get it. And you don't need to get it either. My prayer for you and my hope for you and what I've been hoping all week for you, other than getting it, I just want you to believe it and receive it and truly know the word of God is true, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It's not about what you've done wrong. It's about everything he's done right. That's a lot. Because all he did is right. The cross. That's where Jesus would have it after talking to that woman and doing a few more miracles and helping a few more people and ticking off some Pharisees and pretty soon they all left him and he'd go to the, I wonder if he wrote that in the sand. You know how much I love you? Naked woman full of dirt, full of shame. So disgusted with yourself that you, won't, you, you would never look in the mirror. Here's what I see in you. true. The greatest miracle happened. After he was dead, he brought himself back to life. Proof that he has defeated death. He has defeated hell. Yet most people live under the umbrella of death and hell. Proof that his grace, you are saved by God's grace through your faith. Believing Jesus is the Son of God. Surrendering to that. Yet most people will never do it. You're not most people. God, tell me you're not most people surrender to what he did for you. Stop living under guilt and start living under grace. By the way, there's a part two to this message happening next week, and I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. So my prayer, what's your next step? Some of you need to pray right where you're at, or with a prayer team in a few minutes, whatever. Just pray. Or with a neighbor, or with a stranger. I don't really care who it is. And, And you need to just let your guilt go and let your shame go. And ask God's grace to cover you, forgive you, and set you free. That's what you need to do. Stop living under bondage that Jesus took care of on a cross. Condemnation and guilt, forget that. Start living under the miracle of an empty cross and an empty tomb. That's what God has for you. Surrender to that. The other thing I'm going to ask that you do, we are a church that is uh, always outreaching. It's never about, especially if you're, if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit in you, it's not about you. I hope you know that. And if you forgot, I'm going to remind you, it is not about you. It is about what Christ now wants to do through you because it's no longer your life. It's him that lives in you. So start getting about his business. I don't want to play church anymore. I want to be the church. Who can you invite that doesn't know Jesus that you can bring with you next week to hear a word that will change their life? How can you serve and love this week? Who can you forgive this week? Let's live like Christ is in us if he's in us. I hope you know how much he loves you. He died for you so that you might live for him now and forever. Father, the grace that you bestow on us, we've all done things that, I'm just going to say it because it's true. Everybody in this room and watching online has done something in their life that they would never want anyone else to know. Not even their best friend, not even their spouse. And maybe they've told them, and that's great if they have, but they would never want it to be up on a screen for people to see or watch or hear about. I could write a book about things I I would be so afraid for people to find out about my disgusting life and the things I've done and the people I've hurt like a woman laying in the dirt naked, full of shame, guilt, and disgust. And you walk over to us, and you look at us with, your, with, your, with your, your beautiful you, with your grace-filled eyes and the love in your heart, and you say, you know what? It's not about what you've done. Look at me up on the cross. Look at the tomb where I laid. Both are empty, and because of that, you can live not not under guilt or condemnation, but under grace and love. God, that's the call today, is that we will do whatever it takes, pray with whoever we need to pray with, let go of whatever we need to let go. Maybe it's getting to a counselor like I did, but we need to start living the life that you purposed and planned. It will not happen by accident. We must respond in a way that is... Going to really re- receive the miracle. Two miracles happened. One of them, Peter <laughs> separates himself. The other one, he runs to you. May Meadows be a church. And when I say Meadows and when I say church, I'm not talking about a building and I'm not talking about a green field. I'm talking about a person sitting in a chair, standing on a stage, watching on a televi- or television or a computer or a phone. You came for people. You came for us. Not that we might just exist or drift in mediocrity, but that we might have life and have it to the full. That means living not under guilt, but under grace. God, your grace truly is amazing. May we receive it and start living the life that you purposed and planned. We love you. We thank you. And we believe that if we live under that miracle and under that response and under under that grace, well, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray, and the church says, Amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. Like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend or somebody that you know. So many people out there need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring that to them. Finally, if you're in the Omaha area, We would love to have you join us. We would love to meet you. God bless you.